Our country is in danger, but not to be despaired of. On you depend the fortunes of America. You are to decide the important question which, upon which rests the happiness and the liberty of millions yet unborn. Act worthy of yourselves. Well, I believe we, the Americans of today, are ready to act worthy of ourselves. Ready to do what must be done to ensure happiness and liberty for ourselves, our children, and our children's children. It is made up of men and women who raise our food, patrol our streets, man our mines and factories, teach our children, keep our homes, and heal us when we're sick. Let us renew our determination, our courage, and our strength. And let us renew our faith and our hope. We are a nation under God, and I believe God intended for us to be free. That's right, America. God does want us to be free. But we have to be good stewards of that freedom. We have to be willing to defend it. We have to be willing to protect it. And we can never ever take it for granted. It's like Ronald Reagan said, we must act worthy of the blessing and the responsibility that we have in our freedom and our liberty as American citizens. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Tay Peters, and this is the Hear Me Out podcast. I am deeply humbled that of everything that you could have been listening to today, you chose this. And so thank you so much for joining me. I uh, quickly just want to introduce myself. I am a wife. I'm a mom. I am a woman of faith. And I am very proud and patriotic conservative who is unapologetic about loving America the history of this country, and all the values that America stands for. I currently live in California, and I know some of you guys are like, oh, great, here we go. (laughs) Uh, But let me tell you, this is a city that most would refer to as the Texas of California, if I could think of a label that would best suit it. Growing up as a kid, we always called it the conservative armpit of California. So, I mean, that's really not as cool as calling it the Texas of California, but either one works. It's made up of mostly farmers, oil-filled workers, and very hardworking small business owners. Um, I know California gets a really bad rap, but don't get it completely twisted, okay? Because some of us still have our sanity in this state, and we are working very hard to change the course of California going forward, even though we do have the Sacramento crazy progressives, and the San Fernando Valley oligarchs fighting against us all the time. Not to mention crazy Gavin Newsom, whom I hope is replaced this summer. We are proud Americans here. Um, The city is called Bakersfield, and we believe in working your tail off here to earn everything in life. Um, I know most people here don't expect anything to be handed to them. And most people here are very successful laborers who've never even gotten a college degree yet have had extreme successes in just learning a trade and, and becoming successful with that trade. I grew up in this city. This is my, the place who made me who I am. And I'm very blessed to call it home. There's a guy that comes from our small little town that some of you guys may know. 
His name is Kevin McCarthy. And we are very proud that he comes from our town and represents us on such a major stage like Washington, D.C. And I know some of you guys may have difference of opinions on Kevin, but I can tell you as somebody who actually worked on his campaign a few years ago that he is anything but a rhino. He is sold out for the conservative movement. He's sold out for the America First movement. And this is a guy that would spend time in D.C. and then fly all the way back to Bakersfield just to buy his volunteers and those that worked on his campaign pizza and hang out with us. And um, he's a small town guy, just is on a big stage in D.C., but we greatly appreciate him here. That being said, let's dive into the meat of this podcast today. And I'm going to talk about topics that you're going to hear me dive deeper into uh, as we go forward in future episodes. And I just want to start off with some questions that I want to pose to you today. While you're listening, I really want you to be just honest with yourself about the answers to these questions and how you truly feel about them. Don't sugarcoat it. My first one is, what does being an American actually mean to you? How would you define that for yourself? I know for me, when I think of that, I, the first words that come to mind are sacrifice, honor, strength, the land of promise, the land of opportunity. So my second question would be, are you proud of this country and all the amazing accomplishments? Or do you feel that it's not enough? Do you take pride in the history and all that we've overcome? Or do you look back and say, nope, we haven't done enough. We have further to go. Are you grateful to live in a country where you're not at risk of being thrown in prison for having a certain faith or maybe speaking out about your government? Do you wake up every morning and have that gratitude about the place that you live? Or is it more of a resentment? Next would be, does hearing our national anthem still give you chills and bring you a sense of pride and emotion? Or does it tend to bring up anger and make you upset? I know for me, when I hear that song, I get deeply emotional. When you see a police officer, just if you're in line for coffee or at the gas station, do you look at them and feel grateful for them choosing to put their life at risk every day to protect you and your family? Or have you found some reason in your heart to be angry at them or afraid of them? If your answers to these questions tend to weigh more on the negative end of the scale, you really have to ask yourself why. And where's that coming from? Is it something that's been instilled in you since you were a young child? Or are these feelings pretty recent? Who instilled that anger and that bitterness in you towards our country? I feel like today we are constantly allowing the media, big tech, and politicians to make us angry and bitter, not only at our country that we live in, that we've always been proud of, but towards one another as well. And it seems like we just want someone else to pay for the things happening in our lives that cause us pain. We want to be able to point the finger at somebody. It's because of you that I wake up every day and I'm oppressed or I'm afraid. We just want to have somebody to point to for the things that we feel like we can't accomplish. We have to forgive, which is something that I feel people in this country have truly lost. I just think to myself, imagine if all Jews today sat there and blamed all Germans for the Holocaust. I know many Jewish people, and they do not by any means blame all Germans for what happened, for what Hitler and the Nazis did. We can't continue to cast white people as the ultimate evil of the world because at one point in history, certain white people owned slaves. 
which is what our society as a whole right now is trying to do. We've always been a nation of expanding freedom, and now it seems that we're taking a sharp turn away from that. We can't forgive our neighbor. We can't see somebody else as equal to us. We have to find a way to elevate ourselves over the person next to us. American values are being changed rapidly in front of our eyes, and it's all driven by big tech, social media, and politicians that are shoving a narrative in your face constantly, 24 hours a day. And the goal is to amplify voices that expand their narrative and completely silence the ones who don't because in the end, totalitarianism is their ultimate goal. And the outcome for those who are most powerful in our country is total and complete power. They've convinced a lot of you that they actually care, that they actually wanna help you, that they're actually on your side. When in reality, we're all just being used as pawns for their greater accomplishment. If you find yourself in favor of certain people being silenced or certain books being removed from the shelves or someone being booted off of social media because you disagree with them, then you have already taken the bait, my friend. They have already successfully manipulated you. Everything that we see on social media is manipulated. A lot of people don't realize that. It's the same way that marketers use to get you to buy something. They continually put that ad in front of you. If you think about like a food commercial, they make that burger, that jack-in-the-box burger look the best ever, and you go and get it, and it doesn't even slightly look like that. But you were convinced to go and buy that burger, buy that commercial because it looks so good and it incited all these emotions inside of you like, oh, that would taste so good and, and it would fulfill me. And so you got in your car and you drove into the drive-thru and you ordered that burger and you had these huge expectations of how it was supposed to taste. And then it totally doesn't look like that at all. And so many of us are being fed the same thing on social media with false media, false news stories, doctored news stories. And instead of actually researching for ourselves, we're just reading the headline and sharing. Reading the headline and immediate believe, immediately believing what it says. But everything that's put in front of you is for a reason. It's manipulated to incite certain emotions inside of you, to make you emotional, to make you passionate. Sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing. But in the end, they're preaching a narrative to you that they want you to see. Why do you think people get in, are being thrown in Facebook jail or banned temporarily or permanently even from these social platforms? It's because those people are sharing or tweeting content that big tech doesn't want you to see or hear because it doesn't go along with their plan. It doesn't go along with the narrative. And some people just don't understand that. They don't understand that they're being targeted every single day. The things that are in front of you are in front of you for a reason. And what have they done in our country? Well, they have successfully put these ads and these videos in front of us in order to play on our emotions and make us uber emotional about everything. So then we completely forget about the fact that we're all human beings and we're all Americans. And instead, we just want to attack the person that did something that we oppose. The state of America that we're living in today is, is just like fiction. It's like reading a fiction novel. It, it lacks common sense. It lacks reality. 
we are just living in this la-la land bubble, just believing everything that's put out in front of us and not thinking to ourselves, wait, is there like a bigger purpose here for why this is being shoved down my throat every day? We are allowing the mob to bully us into believing a certain way. I can't for the life of me understand why our society today wants everybody to believe the exact same thing, like a utopia. I can understand why they're doing that, but I can't understand why people support it. Having opposing viewpoints is what makes this country so amazing, is that we're different. We come from different faiths and backgrounds and religions, and yet we can still live as a united nation. We're allowing the mob to force us to be a part of this herd way of thinking where everyone thinks the same and you are threatened if you don't fall in line. It sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? For the first time ever, I mean, we saw a president, now former president, get completely banned from all social sites. When that happened, my jaw dropped to the floor. And some people were just like, yeah, they were cheering about it. They were all excited. I was just thinking, do you know what you just did? You are supporting and you're excited over censorship, over something that we have said is so wrong for so long. In other countries, we look at them and people aren't allowed to say things against their government or their whole family could be killed or they'll get arrested and thrown in jail for whoever knows how long just because they spoke against their government. And as Americans, we've always said, man, that, that's so wrong. That's completely against everything that we believe, especially with the First Amendment. Yet they pulled President Trump off like it was no big deal and said, you're banned for life. We don't want you talking to your people. We don't want you to have a voice. And some of you guys cheered, and that's truly sad because that's not what America's about. There are plenty of people, like the AOCs of our society, that just say the dumbest things, the most illogical things. And I would love to sit there and say, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want her to have a voice anymore, but that's not true. I may not like the things that she has to say, but she has the right to say them. And that's what some of us need to realize is that opposing viewpoints are okay. And yes, sometimes they're crazy, but at the same time, we have to think about what we're given by our constitution and that just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean that they're not given that same right. The media, they've hated Trump so much and they, they hate him because he empowers the people. He empowers the people to have a voice. And regardless of what you feel about Donald Trump, the reason why his supporters support him is because he gave the government back to the people just like Reagan did. They hate people like him too, like Ron DeSantis and Kristi Noem for those same reasons, because they say, no, it's, it's about my people. It's about protecting them and their rights. These people, they take us back to those Reagan days where the government only has power because the people give it to them and the people say so. Trump truly upset the oligarchs in this country and the fascists and they, their road to totalitarian control. He was that big roadblock that got in the way of their agenda to control the people and that really pissed them off. And, and so they did everything in their power. And when I say everything, I mean everything in their power for four straight years. They wasted our taxpayer dollars doing impeachment trials. They spied on him. I mean, it goes on and on all with the hope of stopping him from running for office again because they can't 
stand somebody that says America first and American citizens first and the government last. And if you actually took the time to really evaluate what's going on in our society with the censorship of big tech and COVID lockdowns and cops being vilified and whites being vilified, genders being vilified, diet culture being vilified, God being vilified, you would see that there's a bigger agenda being fulfilled here in front of us. The things which we don't agree with, we tend to vilify. People that we don't agree with, we tend to vilify. We find reason to attack them or call them a name or put them in a category. In our society today, having any moral standard whatsoever makes you an oppressive person. You're not allowed to stand up for your morality. It's not politically correct to do so. But we all know what the agenda is here. It's been going on for years. They've tried to completely wipe God out of society, wipe any kind of morality out of society. You should be able to do whatever the heck you want to do, and no one should be able to say anything about it. We now have this great thing called wokeness in our culture, which is actually defined as an alert to justice. In reality, wokeness in America is just another word for, for conformity. It's another word for hatred. The only thing that wokeness has done in this country is wake up the damn devil in our society. It has taught people that they need to conform to this way of thinking or else they're wrong. And to me, that's exactly what wokeness means. It means conformity. It means conforming to society's new norms, that America is bad, America is systemically racist, capitalism is oppressive, white people are toxic, guns go out and murder people by themselves, morals are overrated, and genders are discriminatory. Sounds crazy, right? But except for that's the reality that we're living in today. And when morals are vilified, it's because evil and hatred can't successfully grow when morals are present. The government wants to convince you that because your neighbor is a conservative and a Christian and maybe they have some sense of morality or standards, they're also a racist and a bigot. But that's not the case. And we need to stop judging people like that. Stop believing the lies. Stop celebrating the people who continue to preach these lies at you and put this false information in front of your face. Stop giving their evil a platform. The sad part is they're doing it right in front of us. Every day, every hour of the day. But many of us don't pay attention. We don't want to go do the research for ourselves. We don't want to understand American history more. We just want to believe what we're being told is that's the easiest way to go about life and just conform to whatever the herd says. Because at least we won't get attacked. At least people won't cast hatred on us. At least people won't try to cancel us. It's just easier to be a part of the conformity. Well, first, they enacted a campaign to shame you in this nation for being white. You didn't want to get attacked on social media, so you caved to it. And just like when everyone decided they were going to go post a black square on their Instagram for whatever hashtag Blackout Tuesday it was in support of, according to them, of the BLM movement, it was supposedly a campaign to help the black community. 
And some of you, without even doing any research, without asking any questions, you just posted a hashtag, a black square, and you pretended to actually care. And now I ask you, how did you help any black lives at all by posting a black square on your Instagram? What major contribution to society did that actually benefit? And you can't answer it because it didn't. And yet big tech and celebrities in the media, they got you to think, oh yeah, well, I'm, I'm posting this black square and I'm going to help black lives and, and this is going to enhance the Black Lives Matter movement. You advanced the Marxist agenda of the BLM movement without even thinking about it. We can't continue to do this, not actually research what an organization stands for, not actually research more into what that headline says. But instead, you'll just post something because all of your celebrities and influencers that you followed posted it too. We have to start being ourselves and we have to start standing up for what we believe instead of conforming to what society is telling us to believe. The reason why police officers in this country went from being society's heroes 10 years ago. I remember being a kid and it was like, if you saw a cop, you're like, that's the coolest. Or if we, we had parents come and tell us about their jobs in elementary school. And if someone's dad or mom was a cop, they were the coolest kid in school after that. Their dad was, or mom was a hero. And I still see it that way. And then now we've turned cops into society's racist murderers. Not because any data or research backs that up at all, but simply because people are being taught a narrative on social media to think that. From lying politicians, from celebrities, and from people that influence you to make you believe that it's true. It's so funny to me every time I think about it, but the same people who sit there and preach on their platforms that cops are so bad and cops are murderers and cops are racist, those are the same people who sit there in their gated communities with their private security, who get police motorcades wherever they go, and they're the ones that are going to tell us that the police should be abolished? Okay, if the police leave and we no longer have policing, guess who's at risk from the criminals? It's not them. It's not the people telling us to abolish the police. It's you and me. It's our families. And it's not the elitists who are going to be at risk here if, if the police are abolished. They're preaching this garbage to you and getting you to believe it as they sit there and they're protected, and you won't be if police are gone. Maybe you can protect yourself. I hope you can. Police officers are leaving the force in droves, and I absolutely don't blame them. I mean, I, I think about that every day. Every time I see a police officer on the street, in the coffee shop, or gas station, or wherever it may be, I just think, I hope that you feel appreciated, because you are so much by so many people in this community and in the country. And if the hateful rhetoric towards police continues in our nation and police continue to not want to keep doing their job at the risk of being thrown in prison or whatever it may be over doing their job, well, then you better be ready to defend yourself. One day when you call 911 and there's nobody there to help you, there's nobody there to answer. I hope that you're prepared for that, especially those of you that are believing the lies of these elitists telling you that we should abolish the police. I hope that you're ready for that. When someone's breaking into your house and you call 911 and nobody comes to help you. I hope that that social worker can help you out over a police officer. I mean, it's ridiculous. And like even the mayor of Portland, he opened his loud mouth about wanting the police gone and 
I don't need the National Guard and, and all of these stupid things. And then not only did his city almost burn to the ground and the businesses there are in complete shambles, well, then Antifa went after him personally and after his home. And now guess what? He's, he's begging for the police to come back. He's begging for people to police the streets and for police to have reform and more funding. It's an embarrassment. These people don't get it. Or they do. And they just want to make sure that you don't have anybody to protect you when they come after you. And I just ask you, please, stop believing something is true just because these elitists say so. They tell you what they want you to hear, even if what they're saying has no factual evidence whatsoever to back it up. And some of you guys are just drinking the Kool-Aid like it's nothing. Anything that they say, you absorb it, you believe it, and then you live it. If we call them out on their BS, then they sit there and, and try to defend themselves by shutting you up or taking you off of your platform, not giving you a voice by attacking you or canceling you or doing everything necessary to make sure that you're silenced. They can't present you any facts, but they sure as heck will do everything to make sure that you don't put those facts out for all people to see. So here's a fact for you. When it comes to policing, more black people die at the hands of other blacks than they do police officers. You don't want to hear that. Most of the country doesn't, and I get that. But it's true. And you know what else is true? Black Lives Matter doesn't care. They could care less. And I'm sure some of you are already calling me a racist for even stating that, but I really don't care. Because if facts offend you, then you've got way bigger problems than me. Don't sit there and preach a narrative with no facts to back it up. Look at the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin issue that we just endured in this country. Oh my gosh, the media and big tech and Black Lives Matter and politicians, even our oh so holy president decided to chime in on how they feel this case should go. These people convicted Derek Chauvin before he was even on trial. And I don't care that there was a video. We all got to see what happened, but that doesn't lead to a straight conviction. There is something in this country still called due process, which I really value. And it was completely taken out of that case. Like our own president sat there and said he was praying for a guilty verdict before the trial even ended. That's not due process. You're making an assumption of how you believe that it should go based on your own emotions. It's not about your emotions. It's about the law. The city of Minneapolis paid George Floyd's family $27 million before the trial even started. And you're telling me that they didn't already know which way, which direction that the trial was going to go? People threatened to burn the city down if it went a certain direction, if Chauvin was somehow acquitted or didn't get convicted on all charges. Some of those jurors live in the city that was threatening to be burned down, but you're going to tell me that they weren't a little influenced by that? All that that case showed us is that the mob rule in this country is a lot stronger than I think any of us ever even realized. The mob spoke that day and the mob got what they wanted, just like they did all last summer. And we all saw the video about George Floyd. We all had deep emotions about it because we're human beings. I get that. I did too. But that doesn't mean that you get to interject your emotions into our justice system, into somebody's due process to try to manipulate a verdict and advance a narrative that somehow police officers are all racist murderers. They couldn't even prove that Derek Chauvin was a racist. 
Nobody around him that knew him ever said that. But somehow we're going to use him as an example to say, this is how all police officers are. Abolish them all. It's embarrassing because it's not true and it's not factual. And the majority of America knows that that's not true. I want you guys to listen to Brandon Tatum. He's a a former police officer, somebody who I I really admire. He has incredible stuff on YouTube and um, and all his social platforms on uh, the officer Tatum. I just want you guys to listen to this video of him responding to uh, a reporter asking him about this trial. To Brandon Tatum, a former police officer and founder and CEO of the Officer Tatum. Thank you very much for coming on the program. My pleasure. So we're going to talk about lots of the wider issues just in a moment, but first of all, just wanted to get your reaction to the conviction. Um, I think we're living in the twilight zone. This conviction, in my personal opinion, did nothing for our country. I mean, people are, are living a lie. I mean, this is one police officer, one person in the community. They found him guilty. This was the swiftest justice I've ever seen in my life. The day after the film came out, he was arrested. Um, he was tried. Ten hours of deliberation, he was convicted. I, I, I'm not I'm not really sure why people are acting like this, mon- this is monumental. Also, he did not get a fair trial, in my personal opinion. There was a lot of obstruction that had happened. They paid the family out $27 million before the jury could be selected. I mean, they're going to have a case in appeal. So I, I, I don't know why people are celebrating, and I don't know why this is such a big focal point, other than people are making money off of the pain of people in our country. But this is not a landmark case. I think people are... This is a political agenda. They're pushing lies in our country. Policing in America is not inherently racist. We don't live in a racist country. This was an interaction between a police officer that I thought did the wrong thing and a black man who was on drugs high, resisting arrest, and ended up being killed by that police officer. That's as simple as it can be. The president of the United States got out and and made a fool of himself trying to promote racism in a simple uh, police encounter that the officer got convicted on. So you, I don't you, know you, reject, you, re- you reject President Biden's comments about systemic racism and it being a stain on the whole uh, nation? Yes, President Biden is an idiot, in my personal opinion, and he's just talking because he's a politician. Systemic racism, I mean, if you look at Joe Biden himself, you know, he, he spoke at a Ku Klux Klan member's funeral and did the eulogy of Robert Byrd. I mean, he is white supremacy and racism, if you if you want to wanna say that is the case. And now he's the president. So if he really cared about white supremacy and racism, he should step down as the president because he's an exemplification of that very thing. These people are just running their mouth and they're not being honest. We don't have a, a problem with racism in our country. We have a problem with people not following the law. We also have a problem with politicians making up things so they can get reelected. And that's exactly what has been happening. That's why you never see anything change. They're lying to us. So the rate of people being killed by police is the rate is higher amongst black people than amongst the rest of the population. What do you, how that's do you not- account for that is, if that isn't a systemic racism problem? Yeah, that's not, first of all, that's not true. Twice as many white people go killed by police every year. Twice as many white people are killed unarmed by police every year. You just don't see it. There's a gentleman named Tony Temper. I guarantee you, anybody watching me have no idea who Tony Temper is. Tony Temper was murdered in the same fashion that George Floyd was killed. But because he was white, we don't hear about it and nobody cares about it. Nobody's talking about police reform when he was suffocated and killed. But they only talk about it because George Floyd is black. Black people commit over half of violent crimes in this country and only make up 13% of the population. 
They commit um, over half of the murders in this country, but only make up 13% of the population. And we can agree that 13% of the population aren't the criminals. There's only a small fraction of the black community that's doing this. So that explains why police are in the black communities more, and that explains why black people are incarcerated more. They are making up lies saying that it has anything to do with racism. Do you understand that there's black police officers, too, that patrol in many of these majority black cities? Are they racist? No, that's not the case. They're just making these things up, in my personal opinion, and they're riding a wave of dead black people in order to make money and be politically um, and get political leverage. Some of you continue to support this narrative, and it's a lie. Ninety-nine percent of our police officers are good and honorable men and women, and they're out there putting their lives on the line every single day for you and your family. They're out there responding to your 911 calls serving our communities, serving people of all color, and yet you continue to preach this lie, this false narrative that, that they're bad people and that they're out to kill black people. And it has to stop. We have to stop doing this. You're letting emotions triumph over logic. Some of you guys continue to support like organizations like BLM, even though the co-founder Patrice Kohler's just purchased like four high-end homes for $3.2 million, according to the New York Post. And she also looked at big real estate in the Bahamas at this super exclusive resort somewhere and where I guess the townhouses there can range from like four, five million to $20 million. But that's none of my business, right? Because of course, facts don't matter. Keep on giving, you guys, because we all know where it's going. Can you imagine what she could have done for black communities with that amount of money? For $3.2 million? Imagine the good she could have done with that money to help black communities if she really cared. But she doesn't, and we know that. There, the most recent video with Micaiah Bryant's case. BLM doesn't care about that girl that was going to get stabbed even though she was black. They only care about their narrative. They don't care about black people that are conservatives. Instead, they label them outcasts, Uncle Toms, whatever. Your black life matters if you believe the things in the narrative that BLM believes. If you believe that all cops are racist and bad people. If you want to abolish the police. If you don't, your life doesn't matter. Let's talk about our kids and all of this craziness happening in our society today. And I just want to ask you... Do you feel like your kids are worth fighting for? Their future, the things that they're going to grow up believing, the foundations of their morality, does that matter to you? I feel like we're just pandering to fear over protecting our children and what they're going to be learning, learning and influenced by. And that has to stop, you guys. We can't, as parents, especially me as a mom, and I'm speaking to myself here when I say this, but I can't let fear defeat me and then me conform and allow my daughter to just be taught whatever the government wants her to learn in our society. They've been telling us in, in America that white men are the biggest terrorist threat to our nation. And now they're saying that white children are racist from birth, that we as a nation, as a society, we need to teach critical race theory in our schools as a way to teach these poor little white children how to overcome their naturally born racist traits. They're telling us now that our kids are racist from the start, from birth. As a parent, I think nothing makes me more angrier than for somebody to sit there and tell me that. 
I want you to listen to this video. And these are some parents that are coming against critical race theory in their community. And I know that there are a lot of organizations leading the same fight now, but um, this one was highlighted in the news. Then there's the issue of what happens when kids do return to school and what they're being taught. You've heard a good deal about this so-called critical race theory that has become a very popular teaching theme in schools across the country. Jillian Turner on that and some lawsuits questioning why that should even be going on in the first place. Jillian. Hey, Neil. So parents of students at Thomas Jefferson High School, it's in Fairfax County, Virginia, are telling Fox News that they're suing the school district because this issue, critical race theory, is now being forcefully injected into their students' curriculums. They say the, worth, the issue is worth fighting on behalf of all Americans, but also they say they're really just sick and tired of their kids being inundated with this messaging that they're inherently racist based solely on the color of their skin. Now, leading the charge against Thomas Jefferson High School, where the student population is over 70% Asian American, is mom Asra Nomani. Take a listen. Our parents at TJ are immigrant parents who have fled communist China, Romania, India's economic challenges, and they are here because they believe in the American dream. And so our lawsuit is an attempt to fight for the American dream that believes in meritocracy and hard work. Nomani also says it's the students who end up getting caught in the activists' fire and end up suffering academically. Listen. All of this activism across the country is just gonna decimate academic excellence in the United States. In Virginia, they are now pondering the elimination of any kind of advanced math or studies in our schools. This is a race to the bottom. Now, Harry Jackson, who's the father of a black student at the school, who's also party to the lawsuit, says the 5% of black students that are currently enrolled, quote, see it for what it is, a tacit admission that they don't think black and Hispanic students have what it takes to compete on merit. That's not my message my parents gave me. It's not the message I share with my own children. And it's not a message we should be sending to other children just to salve our consciences. So these parents are leading the fight against critical race theory, and they're immigrants. <laughs> That's something the left does not want you to hear at all. These are immigrants from communist places that are saying, you will not teach my kids this garbage. You have even a black father speaking out about this as well, calling it out for what it is, saying, no, this is an oppressive, progressive agenda against minorities. That's something the left would never tell you, but that is the fact of it. I just want to know, are you okay as a parent with the Biden administration putting your hardworking tax dollars towards this kind of crap, towards this racist agenda to teach your kids that your white children, that they're racist from birth and they have to be changed and transformed in their way of thinking? I can tell you that I won't allow it to be taught to my daughter under any circumstances. Some of you have decided that what the mob is saying about your kids must be right. You'll just go along with it because oh, I don't want to face the backlash if I don't. And I don't want the wrath of it. I don't want the mob on my doorstep. My daughter's a year and a half. She goes to gymnastics class during the week. We go to the park almost every day. And she's got kids church on Sundays. Do you think that my daughter chooses who she wants to say hi to at gymnastics or church or the park based on their skin color? Not at all. 
She will play with any kid, no matter their age, their skin color, or their gender. She wasn't born a racist, and anyone that is telling you that about your own kid is lying, and is doing so to advance a narrative, advance a much bigger agenda. Not only do they want critical race theory now taught in our schools, but universities have now become indoctrination academies for it and for the progressive left. Look, I went to college, and I was often really inspired by my professors there. So I definitely get that. These were people that would sit there and tell you about all the books that they wrote and how many master's degrees they have. And, and you know, as a, a college student, you are definitely influenced by them, all the knowledge and the education that they have and the things that they're saying. Thankfully, before I went to school, my parents raised me with very deep roots in conservatism, very deep roots in my faith. And so whenever I had a professor tell me something that maybe I, I hadn't heard before in regards to the Bible or regards to politics or whatever it may be, I would go back to my dorm after that class and research it for myself and then decide what I actually believed about it. But college kids aren't doing that today. They listen to a professor whom they admire, who they look up to, spew a narrative in class, and because they look up to that person, they believe everything that he or she has to say about the subject matter. And we can't let this happen. Please care enough about your kids to protect them. Invest enough. Invest in your kids enough to protect them. Give your kids a good, solid foundation to believe in and stand for so that when or if they do go to college someday, they have those foundations to fall back on. If we don't give our kids a good foundation, a good set of morals, then what will they actually stand for when it comes to the hard moments in life? What do they revert back to to say, do I believe that this is the right way to go or the wrong way to go? If you don't give them a foundation, somebody else will. And our government is set on that happening. I'm so grateful that my parents took the time to talk to me about the history of our country about the service that my grandpas and my uncles gave to our country in Vietnam, the stories that they had from those days. And I am blessed by all of those who came before me and fought for my freedom. I'm so thankful that my parents told me about what it means to be free and and how honored and how lucky we are to live in this country and have the liberties and the freedoms that we do. By the time I got to college, I wasn't in a place for anyone to come along and manipulate me into thinking all of those beliefs were a lie, that all the foundations and the morals that I grew up with were somehow untrue. That wasn't going to happen because I was raised with that solid foundation. And so then when I left my parents' home at 18 to go to school, I brought that foundation with me and it was just built upon instead of being cracked at the foundation and somebody else giving me new beliefs to follow and believe in in my life. I just want to encourage you to just protect your kids, especially in the society that we're living in. Do what's necessary to teach your kids and help them grow and show them what a moral and honorable life really looks like. We're so lacking that in society today. We're lacking the foundation of the family. I know as a millennial, a lot of people in my generation can't seem to put their phones down. And so our kids are getting raised by technology And technology is influenced by big tech. It's influenced by the government. So all the foundations that your kids are going to have are going to come from those things instead of you because you're not taking the time to put down the technology and spend time with them and talk to them about the hard things in life and motivate them. 
You're letting somebody else do it. You're letting these people that have come up with these crazy ideas that our society has adapted to, you're letting those people raise your kids. I was blessed enough to be raised by two military brats. And one of my grandpa, my dad's dad was in the Navy. And then my mom's dad was in the army. And um, both were our Vietnam veterans. Um, my parents were both raised that you respect authority no matter what, even if you disagree with them. You thank people who sacrifice for you, like people in our military, police officers, firefighters, paramedics, and people like them. I feel like those kinds of values are getting so completely lost in our society today. And I mean, those are values that were instilled in me as a young kid. I knew that if I disrespected a teacher at school and my dad found out about it, I was going to be grounded for a super long time. I knew that if I saw a police officer or a member of our military out and about that I would tell them, thank you. My dad would say, you go tell them, thank you. You go tell them that you appreciate them. I knew that if I was walking into a store and there was an older person behind me that I stop what I'm doing and I hold the door open. Simple values, you guys. These are simple, everyday, common American human values. And our kids aren't being taught those things anymore. And in my opinion, these are just the most basic of common sense values. And yet my generation of millennials, and I can say this because I am a millennial, we seem to have completely lost it. I just want you to listen to this clip by, of all people, Bill Maher, who actually says something true and reasonable for once. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm shocked that I'm even putting a Bill Maher video on my podcast, but here we go. In India, young people touch old people's feet to show reverence. Japan has a national holiday called Karonohi, respect for the aged day. You know the reason why advertisers in this country love the 18 to 34 demographic? Because it's the most gullible. Yeah. A third of people under 35 say they're in favor of abolishing the police. Not defunding, but doing away with a police force altogether which is less of a policy position and more of a leg tattoo. 36% of millennials think it might be a good idea to try communism. But much of the world did try it. I know millennials think that doesn't count because they weren't alive when it happened. But it did happen. And there are people around who remember it. Pining for communism is like pining for Betamax or MySpace. So when you say, you're old, you don't get it. Get what? Abolish the police and the border patrol and capitalism and cancel Lincoln. No, I get it. The problem isn't that I don't get what you're saying or that I'm old. The problem is that your ideas are stupid. You think someone 80 is hopeless because they can't use an iPhone? Maybe the one who's hopeless is the one who can't stop using it. Like, holy cow, you guys. I never thought I would be quoting Bill Maher in a positive way or talking about him in a positive manner, but he is absolutely spot on here. Because what the left is preaching is absolutely insane. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. And yet people are buying right into it because they, one, don't have any foundational morals or standards. Two, they don't really understand American history. And three, they have allowed themselves to buy into this fabricated narrative by people whose end goal is control and power. I will teach my daughter those same values that I was raised with. Respect, kindness, Caring about people that you may not even know. Just being a good human. And it all just starts with us parents 
being willing to teach our kids the, those values, even if maybe they weren't taught to us. And maybe in the midst of us teaching them those values, then we'll really start to apply those same values into our lives and treat other people with kindness and patience and respect. We have to put morals back into this nation, you guys. If we expect to see any change in America for the good, we have to bring back morality. We have to bring back values. We have to bring back a foundation for people to actually believe in and get behind. We have to stop letting the government tell us what to believe and how to act and how to hate people who disagree with us. The same people that we're believing are the same people who are telling you that your four-year-old should go get a sex change if they want one. I just, I, I can't even believe that's a discussion that we're having, but they actually want your child to choose their gender and to not allow them to do so is somehow child abuse. And I just want to be straight up here. I'm going to say this and I really don't care if people don't believe me or not, or don't agree with me, which is fine. But the fact of it is, is gender isn't a choice. You can change whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you were still born a specific way. And I'm sorry, but if gender isn't a choice for anybody, then it sure as heck isn't a choice for a four-year-old. Your four-year-old doesn't even know how to put on their, the right outfit of the day, and yet you somehow think that they can choose to be a different gender, and some of you guys are encouraging them to get a sex change? It's lunacy. It's like, it's evil that we put that kind of decision on a young child who barely knows how to put their, their shoes on the right feet every day. And yet, here we are, we have politicians that are pushing not only that and having your child get sex changes, but then now they're pushing abortion at full term because a woman should have the right to choose at any point in the pregnancy whether or not she still wants her baby. And some of you consider yourselves people of faith, but at the same time continue to vote for people who believe that that way of thinking is okay. My convictions won't allow me to support somebody who believes that that's okay because it's murder. But our society's lost our convictions. We've just become so numb. We run off of emotion. It motivates us to take action on certain things. And instead of using logic, we're just being hyped up emotionally and then running off of that. We allow things in our society to take place because that's a lot easier than standing up and speaking about speaking out about what is right. And I get it, you guys. It is hard in today's society, especially with Facebook constantly fact-checking everybody and telling you that a lie is actually the truth and that the truth that you posted is actually a lie and here are the reasons why. And they're sending their fact-checkers out to tell you why it's not true. And we've, we've given them the power to do that, to say, like, what we just said is all false because their fact-checkers say so. I've seen them constantly fact-check things that I know for a fact are true. But yet some of us are continuing to just look the other way. Convictions, you guys, convictions. We have to have convictions or we'll continue to just let things slide. I love this quote by Ronald Reagan, but he said, I believe with all of my heart that standing up for America means standing up for God who has so blessed our land. We need God's help to guide our nation through stormy seas, but we can't expect him to protect America in a crisis if we just leave him on the shelf to day-to-day -day living. Unfortunately, God's been on the shelf for a long time in this country. And today, we're really paying for that more than ever. And I know you guys see that. You're doing nobody any good pandering to the mob. 
You're doing nobody any good living afraid and allowing the government to sit there and teach your kids what morals they should have and the foundations of their life, foundations of their faith. And you have to ask yourself, you got to look in the mirror, and this is what I had to do too, so I'm, I'm talking to myself here. We have to ask ourselves, where am I taking a stand? And what am I standing up for? What, what foundations in my life and morals in my life am I taking a stand for? against a world that is seeking to eliminate those morals. Where do you draw the line as an individual? Where, when do you say enough is enough? I'm not, I'm not going to allow this. Ask yourself, am I living with courage in my day-to-day decisions or is it, are we being driven by fear? And I really had to take a hard look at that. Uh, I was listening uh, to Tucker Carlson the other day, his show, when Candace Owens was on it, and she was saying how there's two pandemics in this country, and actually no COVID was not mentioned. The first one, she said, is we have a pandemic of ignorance, which is so true, and people who are putting out false information. And then second, she said, we have a pandemic of cowardice, where people are too cowardly to stand up and say, no, this information is false, this narrative is a lie, and call it out for what it is. Um, there's so much truth in that and what she said. And I just want to know, do, are you finding yourself falling into a pandemic of ignorance? Are you just, do you find yourself just sharing stuff without actually reading the article or doing any further research on it? Or do you find yourself constantly just being too afraid to post something because somebody might attack you for it? I had some people message me quite a few times, uh, some things that I posted on social media and say like, well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for posting that. I could never post that. Like, aren't you scared? Aren't you afraid what they might say back? Aren't you afraid of their of like them hating you? And I was just like, no, I mean, why? If you believe what you believe with all of your heart and you know that it's true, then you better be unapologetic about that. And you also have to be prepared to to give the reasons why you believe what you believe. And to actually have foundation to that and facts and research to back it up. Ronald Reagan said, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. I believe that. I live on that quote. It's absolutely true that if we live in fear, we're crippled. We are prevented from doing anything worth doing because we lack the courage to step out. Fear binds you. It keeps you from accomplishing the things that you really want to accomplish. We can't do that in this country anymore because the longer that those of us who do have moral standards, the longer we sit here and are afraid of what people may say about what we believe, the more that America will continue to spin out of control. And so I, I just encourage you to speak out, speak up, be brave, be courageous. I know a lot of people talk about Oh, you should be fearless. And I actually, I don't agree with that because I feel like all of us are going to have some sense of fear. There's, there's things in life that we all fear, but use that fear as motivation to push you towards doing things that are uncomfortable or speaking out against things that you know are wrong, even though people may attack you for it. That's what courage really is, is using fear as like your gasoline to move forward and to say, yeah, I'm always going to have this but I'm going to turn it into my motivator instead of the thing that cripples me from doing what I believe I should do. And uh, I, I really wanted to start this podcast because I, I just couldn't sit back anymore. And I was, you know, I'd tell myself like, well, 
I mean, there's amazing people like Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk and Dan Bongino and at the time Rush Limbaugh and these amazing warriors for the conservative movement in this country. And I just thought, you know, they can they can fight the battle for me. You know, I'll I'll, I'll just support them. And then in turn that I feel like I'm doing something there. And at a certain point, I just felt like I, I have to suit up and I got to join in this. They don't need me, but I felt the convictions within myself to just say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to step out and I'm going to be courageous and I don't care what people have to say against me or if I get canceled or whatever it may be, because the battle for America is way too important. The battle for our kids is too important. The battle for ourselves as individuals to uphold our moral standards is too important. And I hope that you'll continue to join me on future episodes as I sit down and I'm going to talk to special guests about issues that are plaguing and penetrating our nation and crippling us as a society. And we're going to talk about how we can solve these issues, all the issues that I just talked about. We're going to have special episodes on those and we're going to find a way to get back to listening to each other again and being united as, as Americans again. We don't have to agree. We don't have to have the same opinions. We don't have to have the same religion or beliefs or viewpoints, but we can find a way to celebrate those differences and find a way to move forward together. And that's why I want to have a lot of guests on my podcast that don't believe the same things as me, that we have differing opinions, we have differing viewpoints, but I'm going to show you how we can have a civil conversation with each other and learn from each other and move forward together. And that was the motivating factor behind this podcast is to hear each other out, to listen to each other first before speaking, to listen and learn about each other before we form an opinion and start hating somebody because we think that they believe differently than we do. We got to stop letting this mob lie to us. They're telling us things about our country to divide us, to destroy the foundations of America. The truth is America is good. Americans are good people. Americans as a whole are not racist. In fact, we celebrate the, the diversity in the melting pot that we are. America is the greatest nation on the planet. God blessed us with so much, with this incredible freedom, with warriors that came before us to fought, that fought and defended our nation and um, incredible men and women who changed the course of history and um, and our founding fathers who wrote the most incredible document ever in the Constitution. We've been given so much, and we have to be good stewards of that freedom, or we could so easily lose it. And I think some of us forget that. We forget that fighting for freedom and liberty is something that's going to happen every single day. There's always going to be somebody that wants to take it from us. We have to be ready to suit up and to battle that out. And I know that that's the direction that I'm taking. And I care about this country and I love this country and I love Americans and I love the people here. And I love everything that we stand for and that we're the hope and the, the promised land to the world. We gotta get back to that, you guys. We have to start seeing each other as human beings again. So I hope you'll join me on my next episode. We're gonna talk about wokeness and cancel culture and what that's doing to our society what it's doing to our way of thinking and how we can reverse the damage that's already been done. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I appreciate it so much. I'm humbled by you and I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you next time.